And with that, we just say, please welcome Cindy as she comes up and gives us a great teaching on testimony. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We want to always exalt Jesus in this place. Pastor Tim, my mentor, I love to share little Mr. Pastor Tim nuggets all the time. And, And this is all about Jesus. This ministry was birthed telling people about Jesus. Jesus the healer. God is good. And all the time, God is good. Amen. 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 Okay. So last week I shared about the power of the testimony. And I shared a teaching that is just really, really uh, an important one to understand. Because when we share, Chris is going to be sharing her testimony in a little bit. When we share a testimony, there's a whole lot going on in the spiritual realm. There's an anointing when we share about what God has done. And when we share about the goodness of God, there's an anointing for God to do it again. And that's true with whatever we share about the word. Whenever we're sharing a truth from the word, there's an anointing upon that word to bring it to pass in our lives. So... Um, that's one of the awesome pieces of testimony or powers of the testimony. Another one, and this is, this is number one, actually, it shows us the heart of God. Testimonies show us the goodness of God. They point to the nature of God. Think about Jesus when he walked on the earth and he went about healing everybody. He, and that's another whole teaching. Oh, I love to share that. And I'm going to share it when I do my Bible study. I'm going to share tons of accounts of Jesus healing and Jesus healing everybody in need in the multitudes and that he never said no and that he never said you had to get all perfect before he was going to heal you and he never said he was going to teach you a lesson and not. He didn't do any of that. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then there's a scripture, not just one. I haven't even counted them. I bet there's about five or six places in the New Testament where it says that Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. Where it says that he makes the, Jesus makes the invisible God visible. That he is the very fingerprint, the very imprint of the heart of the Father. And when we share testimonies of Jesus, whether it's from the Bible accounts of Jesus in the Bible, or whether it's current day testimonies, that's what we're doing. We are pointing people to God and what he's like and how amazing he is. Another thing that testimonies do is they stir up an expectation in us. They stir something up in our heart, like breathing hope into hopeless situations or stirring up that scripture that you've been reading that needs to be stirred up in your heart again. That's what testimonies do. And that expectation is directly connected to faith. Expectation and faith go hand in hand. And faith is our part in receiving. So testimonies are really powerful. Today, I'm going to teach a mini lesson on how to share your testimony. Now, it doesn't have to be uh, like a healing of cancer testimony. It can be one step of what God has done in your life. If you look back, I know you have a lot of them. But whatever it is that God is doing or showing you, that can be the testimony that could change somebody else's life forever. 
So I'm going to teach a little bit about how to share a testimony. And I want to start right now with reading an excerpt from an Andrew Womack teaching article. Those of you who know me know that he's one of my favorite teachers. And I went online and I looked at what he's had to say about the power of the testimony. It's just a two-paragraph excerpt, but it's really good. He refers to St. Francis of Assisi, who said, Preach the gospel to everyone and use words if necessary. What a profound statement. I believe he was saying that a living example of the gospel is even more effective than words. Some people may argue with you about doctrine or interpretation of scripture, but unless they believe you're a liar, they won't argue with your testimony. They can't argue with your testimony. I think that's one of the reasons why Kent and I have been so blessed in this ministry because it it was launched through a miracle. It was launched through our testimony. You can't convince me of anything except that Jesus heals today because he healed me. And I've seen so many other people. I have been blessed to see so many other people also receive healing. Andrew goes on to say, there's nothing more powerful powerful than a miracle testimony. Jesus and his disciples used them to confirm that the words they spoke were truth. Remember the scripture where Jesus said, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe I am who, who I am, look at the works. Let my works show you the, the evidence of, of who I am. Let the fruit speak. Um, Andrew goes on to say, sharing and teaching the word of God change lives. But we can also convey truth through testimonies. When we share a testimony, we are conveying truth. And even through a story, because people relate to stories. That's one of the reasons why Jesus probably used parables, because people relate to stories. So, way back, 16 and a half years ago, when I was first diagnosed with cancer, God gave me a scripture. I didn't even know it was a scripture, and I didn't have any idea where it was in the Bible. But he put it in my heart like a song stuck in my head. And the scripture was, I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I would wake up in the middle of the night and that would just be going round and round and round in my heart, round and round and round. But it wasn't like I was saying, it was like he was telling me. He was saying, Cindy, you're not going to die. You're going to live and you're going to declare the works of the Lord. He was just speaking that into my heart. Then I started speaking it over myself. I will not die, but live and I will declare the works of the Lord. I now know that it's Psalm 118, verse 17. I didn't even know it was in the Bible. I just knew it was really good news. Well, that word declare in that scripture goes right along with this teaching about testimonies. That word declare means to recount, to rehearse, to talk about, and to share exactly or accurately. When we declare the works of the Lord, we're declaring his, the works that he's done in our heart, in our life. And when we do that, when we share testimonies, we are representing our God. I like to say it like this. We are representing God to people. That's what Jesus did. That's the scriptures that say that Jesus was the perfect picture of his father. When we share testimonies, that's what we're doing. We are showing people about God. And remembering and declaring those mighty works of God, 
via testimonies opens the door for him to do it again. So that's a little recap. I know I already said that. The word testimony, the word Hebrew word testimony means to do it again. It means to repeat or to do it again. And it includes both speaking it, and that's what Chris is going to do tonight. I have heard Chris's testimony many times. And when Kent and I were talking last night after you shared, we were like, every time we hear your story, we hear something new and it touches us in a new way. And we get even excited all over again and built up all over. And that's, that's Cindy and Kent speaking. And that's true for all of us as we share it again and again. But it's not just speaking it again and again. It's also the, the potential for God to do that miracle in somebody else again. Because God's word and his works cannot be separated. Now I have a scripture I want to share. Beautiful scripture. This is, um, go ahead, go to the next scripture, honey. This is 1 Peter 3.15 from the Amplified Bible. Listen to this. But in your hearts, set Christ apart as holy acknowledging him and giving him first place in your lives as Lord. That's number one. Let God take up that position in your heart of being first place, acknowledging him in everything, in every facet of your life, and giving him the position of first place. But then it goes on and it says, always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for what's in your heart, for that hope and that confidence. I can't help but look at you, Heather. We had a conversation this week that is exactly what the scripture says. He wants us to have that confidence and hope that's in us, to be able to tell people about it, to express it. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope and the confident assurance elicited by faith that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. We are called to share what God has done in our lives. That's the disciple in us. Not just to be discipled, but to disciple others. Not just to receive but to give as you have received. So, how to share a testimony. First thing I want to give you is a little bit of homework. Don't ever give homework, do I? Because I don't believe in homework. I was a teacher for too many years. No, kids don't do it. Neither do adults. But you might do this one. I recommend you read Acts chapter 26 this week. Because what this book is, is Paul's testimony. He gives it two or three times, but in this particular chapter, it's an awesome example of a testimony. He is sharing with King Agrippa. He has, he has defended himself many times because in the 26th book of Acts, he's been in prison for a while. And he keeps getting bounced from one place to another and having to defend himself again. But it was, this was so cool when I read this chapter because it's a really good picture of how to share a testimony. The first thing that Paul did was he told King Agrippa about who he used to be, that he was a Jew of Jews, that he was really good at following the law, that he was from the, the group of the Pharisees, and that he was even one of those who went and, um, and uh, gathered together the Christians and took them to prison because he didn't think that they were in the right until something happened. 
until God came, until Jesus came and he had that great moment of conversion and everything changed on the road to Damascus. After that, everything changed. So he had the before, he had that moment in time when everything changed and then he had a testimony to carry out to the world and because of what happened to him with Jesus, nobody could convince him otherwise. What happened with me with Jesus when he healed me 16 years ago of stage four cancer, uh, you can't tell me otherwise. They, so what did Paul do? He went out on mission trips all over the, the world that he could reach. And he wrote most of the New Testament. And he was preaching even to this man who had the potential to let him go or kill him. He was preaching the word even to him. And then at the end of 26, chapter 26, he says, what about you, King Agrippa? Do you believe in Jesus? So here he was, instead of thinking about himself, he was thinking about the man who was getting the word from, from God about Jesus, the Savior. So when we share our testimonies, that's a good model to look at. When we share our story, it's not about us. It's about him. It's his story. It's really not even our story. It's his story. When we share, we're sharing that God is bigger than the problem, bigger than the experiences. It's not about us. It's all about him working in us. And sharing our testimony is sharing the gospel because we're sharing about how good God is and how he has helped us in whatever it is. Maybe he's been our peace in a really hard time. Maybe he's been our comforter. I love, I'm not going to give away your story, but that one part that you shared last night, just, I don't think you've ever shared that one for me before. And it was life, oh, I can't stop thinking about it today. Because you pointed me to the love of Jesus when you were in the middle of that 15 years of really, really pain and hard time. That's what testimonies do. They show us how much God loves us. They show us his goodness. They show us his will and his purpose. A Christian testimony, and that's what we're talking about, a Christian testimony is not focused on the person. It's focused on Jesus. The person, Jesus, is who it's focused on. The one who paid the price once and for all for our complete salvation, including being redeemed I love the word redeemed. Redeemed is a big word. Redeemed from sin. Redeemed from sickness. Redeemed from the dominion of darkness. Redeemed from everything that the enemy planned to destroy us. We've been redeemed. And it's all because of the amazing love of God. The love of God is the key to everything. So I'm going to share four simple steps on sharing your testimony. And, and it follows Paul's Paul's testimony, basically. So the first step is before. Where were you before that, that God incident in your life? Where were you at? Where were you at in your life? Where were you at in your walk with God? Where were you at in your revelation of the knowledge of, of the Bible, the truth about that situation? In my in my story, and I'm going to give you a little nugget of my testimony after each one of these sections. In my story, before I was diagnosed with cancer, I was a, a type A personality, in control, 
It was all about Cindy. It wasn't all about Jesus. And I was, my life was messed up with priority. God wasn't even close to being number one in my life. That's where I was before I was diagnosed. I was a very religious person, but I had no personal relationship with God at all. And that was my own fault. I never read the Bible. I never prayed other than memorized prayers at certain times. It wasn't an ongoing, even memorized prayers weren't a part of my lifestyle. That's what I was before I was diagnosed. I didn't know anything about healing. I had never witnessed a miracle ever, not once. That's where I was before. The second part of the testimony is the actual diagnosis or the actual problem. Now, I want to give you a warning before I tell you what to do. I want to tell you what not to do. I think it's really important that we don't spend a lot of time here telling about the gravity of the problem with all of the details. I have been in situations where people have shared their testimony, that they share so much of that, so much of the negative, that something something that feels like fear starts to build in me. Something that feels like yuck comes into my heart. And that's not the intention at all. Because this is about a good news, not bad news. So yes, you do want to share because you want to show people, this is where I was and this is what God did. But you want to do it very concisely and very simply. It's also very important when you share your diagnosis or when you share the problem that it's very accurate and that you don't exaggerate. It's, it's good to let them know the extent of the issue, to know how long it's been in your life, how long it's affected you, to what degree, and to also a very, have a very brief summary of how it's effect, impacted other parts of your life, like your emotions like your relationships, maybe your finances, that kind of thing. Because God doesn't just heal one thing. You know, he is this amazing God that wants to just take care of every part of your needs. So in my life, again, I'm going to give you this much of my diagnosis. My diagnosis was stage 4 melanoma. The doctor's report said extensive metastasis of the melanoma throughout the lymphatic system. The, my life prognosis was 6 to 9 months and it was considered incurable. When that diagnosis came, the first thing that came with it was a fear that was like nothing I've ever experienced. It was very dark, it was very oppressive, it was very, very heavy, and it was constant. It was like part of like every breath I breathe, I couldn't breathe. I felt like I couldn't breathe, I felt like I couldn't eat, I felt like I couldn't sleep. It was sad that heavy. And the other thing that happened right after I got the diagnosis was symptoms came. They didn't come before, they came after. Looking back, I think that they were lying symptoms. That's one of the enemy's tactics. But they were big and they felt very, very real. So that's the extent of the diagnosis. Now, number three on my list is the, the, the healing, the testimony. Again, give a simple, concise, completely accurate account of what God did Include God in this. Include God. It doesn't matter whether you were healed through um, with, with medicine. God's still all in. God's still all over it if you give him lordship. So how did God guide you, direct you? How did he hold you? How did he comfort you? How did he give you strength? How did he give you peace? What did God do with you during that? And also, um, what were the 
God incidences. Many times there are these little nuggets of miraculous God incidences that he has done in the midst of your healing journey. So share those too as part of your story. So in my story, um, oh boy, I got to do this in a very short, succinct manner. This is where, when I share my testimony and I have time, this is where I elaborate, this part right here. But I'm not going to now because I'm going to share it in a short version. So um, the first thing that happened when I, was, when I got that really bad report was somebody led me to Jesus. Yes. Somebody told me the truth about Jesus the healer, and they led me into a personal relationship with Jesus that I'd never had before. That is one of my God incidences, and I'm not going to tell it now because it's long, but I told it a few weeks ago, and it's amazing. The way that, I, that God saved me and the way that it happened was amazing. It was a, oh, if, oh I'd love to tell you, but I can't tell you right now. So get my book. It's over there. You can read it. <laughs> So that, that was one of the God incidences. The next thing that happened was that that heavy, 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 heavy fear lifted. It was all God. I lived with it. And when it left, I knew it. It was amazing. And I knew it was him. Another thing that happened is I went to my first healing meeting. It was five days after the diagnosis. And when I went into that meeting, remember I said the symptoms came like that? When I went into that healing meeting, I had so much pain, I couldn't even stand. And it was a long, long service. It was like from 7 till 10. And the first hour was worship. And I remember holding out of the pew, and I could hardly stand. I was in so much pain. At the very end of the meeting, they prayed for people. And when I went out, I had just as much pain as when I came in. But the next day, the pain was less. And the next day, the pain was gone. So the pain was gone. That was huge. The next huge part of my testimony is that I fell in love with God. I fell in love with Jesus. I had these experiences at the very beginning. And God was proving himself to me. He was showing me his goodness. I started reading the Bible every day and praying every day. And I'd never done that before. The Bible says when you seek him, you're going to find him. When you draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you. And that's what happened. Everything changed. Now, this is where I'm going to cut to the end. After about five months, God walked with me. He gave me direction through that whole season. And I'm not going to give you all the details, but I never even had treatment. It's not because I said no. That's just the way that God ordained my path. And at the end of those five months, I had an exploratory surgery. And it proved what God's word says. It proved there was no cancer in my body. I had had positive biopsies. I had had positive CAT scans and PET scans that showed cancer activity all over my body. But when they got in there and they looked at the lymph nodes that were affected and all that, and they sent them to the pathologist, there was not one cell of cancer in my body. And I was healed completely healed of a death sentence. It was no longer there. The next part is forever changed. That's the title, forever changed. When you share your story, talk about how things have, are different, how you have been forever changed as a result of what God has done in your life. What does it look like? 
How has your life changed? How have your priorities changed? How has your walk with God changed? How has your, your, um, 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 your, your belief changed? What has changed? How have you been forever changed? And again, keep pointing to God because it's all Him. I, I was an educator. I was a, a workaholic. And I was determined to, you know, keep moving up the ladder, going to school. I was a learning consultant at that time. I had moved from a classroom teacher into the position of a consultant. And my plan was to be an administrator and maybe even a teacher of teachers kind of person. Um, But as soon as I got my healing manifestation, all that didn't matter so much anymore. I still did work of excellence, but my priorities changed. I made the decision to retire early. Now, teaching was everything to me. It still is, in case you can't tell. Teaching was everything to me. But all of a sudden, I didn't have to be in that classroom teaching anymore. And I made sacrifices in order to be able to retire early. And the biggest one was we had to um, buy years of service. If you're in education, you know what that means. But you can literally pay into your retirement system so that you can retire early. So everything you would have paid in for those extra years, you do pay in, but you can retire early. I ended up working for about a year and a half to two years for zero dollars. Didn't matter. It didn't matter because I knew that I was going to be able to retire and do what I wanted to do with all my heart. Everything's changed. I wasn't planning on standing here 16 years ago. I guarantee you this is not, was not in my plans. But I have been forever changed. Amen. That is just a snippet of sharing how God has been there from the beginning to the middle to the end to forever. Because he's so, so, so good. Amen. So what I want to share now, one more nugget of teaching, and that is, okay, we're talking about sharing testimonies and how it points people to God and how there's an anointing on the testimony and all that. But here's another important piece. It also does something for you. When you share what God is doing in you, it does something for you. I want to read this next scripture. This is from Revelations. 1211. I'm going to put your name in here. I'm just going to pick somebody. Jenny, Jennifer. Jennifer, you overcame and you conquered him. That's the enemy. You conquered him because of the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. For you did not love your life and renounce your faith even when given a death sentence. When the doctor told you that report, You turned to God. You didn't say, I'm buying that report. And there are two huge pieces, Jesus' part and our part. Jesus did the hard part. He died for us. He shed his blood for us. We overcome the disease. We overcome the pain. We overcome the woundedness. We overcome cancer. We overcome MS. We overcome by what Jesus did, the blood of the lamb, and by the word of our testimony. Our, how we're receiving and speaking what we're receiving. It's very, very important. So one of the keys to attain healing, 
One of the keys to keep your healing is in keeping your testimony, remembering your testimony, sharing your testimony, keeping it in front of your eyes and your heart, treasuring it up in your heart. Now, the next point is really, really important. The next point on your sheet says, renewing your mind with what God has already done becomes the lens through which you see your present circumstances. So as you take those God incidences, those things that you've seen God do so far on your journey or in your past or in your healings that have happened before or in other people's healings that you've heard about, as you keep those in your heart, it becomes the lens through which you see your, per, your present circumstances. I've had, a, I've had a word shared with me, a very similar word three times this week, and I pay attention when I hear something three times. And it relates directly to this, so I'm going to share it with you. I've been um, talking to lots of people this week. One of the ladies I talked to is from Kentucky, and um, she's diagnosed with a recurrence of lung cancer. She took the, re- the report of man. She received it. When the doctor said, there are, are um, cells of cancer in the fluid in your lungs, she put on Facebook, I have cancer back. I have it again. She received it. But she didn't realize what she was doing. She knows the word. She knows Jesus. She didn't realize what she was doing. And when she called me, we had a really, really good talk. And we broke that off. We said, no, we're going to not agree with the doctor. Not that it's not truth. Or I'm sorry. It's a fact. But the truth of the word is, has higher authority. And so we did. We prayed about it. She said, I'm no longer going to agree with the, do- with the man's report. I'm going to agree with God's report. And then God gave her this picture. The picture he gave her was of a horse with blinders. And she said, when a horse wears blinders, she's from Kentucky, so she knows all about horses. She says, when a horse wears blinders, the reason they have the blinders is so they can only see what's right right in front of them. And anything that's off to the sides that could spook them or that could distract them, they don't even see. And horses learn to trust their rider. Does that sound like a good word from God? Keeping your focus on God, on his word, on the good things that he's done. Trusting him to lead you, to guide you, to take care of you. The second person I talked to the same day, this is a young woman, oh my goodness, where was she from? I don't remember, but it wasn't Michigan. Remember her name? Her name is Janet can't remember where she's from. So Janet, if you're watching this, I'm sorry, I don't remember where you're from. But anyway, Janet called me as well. And she had, um, she's fighting breast cancer and she's a young mama and she's got a little girl. And um, the day before I talked to her, she went to a church service and she received her salvation. I was just in tears She's telling me, here this woman is with this really bad report. And the very night before, she was in a church service hearing about our amazing Jesus. And she, for the first time in her life, surrendered and gave her heart, gave her life 
to the Lord and asked him into her heart to be her savior. And this is what happened. She had a God incidence. She was sitting in the, in the church, in the chair. The, the pastor was teaching and she saw the pastor with tunnel vision. She said that all she saw was the pastor teaching the word and everything else was, she was blinded to everything else. And it was the color orange. I know that orange, gold, yellow, in, in biblical, when you see those things, it means royalty. And she saw just the pastor with teaching the word and everything else was orange. Same truth, tunnel vision. Keep your eyes on what God is doing. Keep your eyes on the promise. Keep your eyes on Jesus and his finished work. Because there's so many distractions when you're in the middle of a fight. There's so much going on in your body with doctors, with people, with everything, with all of those distractions. And God says, have tunnel vision. Keep those blinders on. Keep your focus on me. And then the third confirmation, I was at a, a conference Kelly and Nathan were there. It was an amazing conference last weekend. And the first teaching, the first night, was about being single-focused. And my notes, I just got stars all over because I've been hearing that same word all week long. And that's why I wanted to share it with you because I felt like it was a word from God for us for tonight. So renew your mind. Pay attention to what God is doing let that be the meditation of your heart. Because when it is, that good news will become the lens through which you're seeing your present circumstances and everything else changes. Here's the third point. As you share your testimonies about what God has done in your life, as you're sharing, you are also remembering the goodness of God. When you recount, when you share what he's done in you, in the past, it gives you even more faith and courage for what you're going through right now. So as you share, you're seeing God's goodness. You're being built up. You're being encouraged yourself. Think about the Israelites. They started out um, in Egypt. They were, they were rescued. They went through the Red Sea. And then it was 40 years before they got to the promised land. But they had a whole lot of testimonies of God to remember and that's what helped them enabled them to get all the way to the promised land it took a long time <laughs> that's another story think about the apostles they they lived with jesus they were face to face they were his face to face disciples as if they were sitting right here oh wouldn't that be amazing but after jesus was ascended into heaven after he'd done his work and was ascended into heaven they had that experience. And what did they do with it? They went out and preached the gospel. And, and because of them, because of what they experienced with Jesus, we're sitting here today. And there are so many multitudes of millions of people who are believers because of what they experienced. Because of what they experienced, they took it forth and they shared it. Isn't that amazing? Okay. So I just want to just pray right now over this before I, I turn this over to Chris. Father, I thank you that the word of your testimony in us is so very, very powerful. Holy Spirit, come. Breathe 
on our testimony. Breathe on those precious treasures that you've shown us, that you've given us, that you've done in us, that you've done through us. May they be so alive in our heart that they just stir us up and, and build us up in our most holy faith. We believe you, Jesus, because you're so good and so loving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, Chris, come on up. I'm going to let you kind of just tell why you're here tonight and then share your testimony. Okay. okay. Hi, everybody. So I know many of you have already heard our story. So we'll, we'll try to shake it up a little bit. Um, the reason tonight is as I opened, Dave and I, Dave is my husband here. Say hi to everybody. <laughs> um, we are celebrating our six-year healing anniversary tonight. Isn't that awesome? God is so good. He's so good. And so a, a week or so ago, I had given Cindy a text and had just said, Hey, Cindy, I'm coming up on anniversary. Do you think you would let us share a little bit? And she's so gracious. It, her teachings are amazing and awesome. But this one was all God, right, Cindy? Because she says, well, that's something. Because I'm teaching on testimony, right? And that's what Dave and I do. We're not teachers of the word like Cindy is. Um, she does an amazing job. But we're storytellers. And we have one great story in us. And that's the awesomeness of our Father God who healed my body after 15 years. And so she was gracious enough to say, yes, come, share. But little did I realize when I was like, cool, that's really great that she would have these steps. So now I pray I get the model correct. I won't, but just go along with me, right? Because I'm sure as you got, as she was going through her steps, which are awesome to think about. I hope that you were thinking of your own story, right? Because don't we all have them? We all have our own stories. I heard of Joe's last night. I know some of Jim's. I, I'm looking around this room and going, oh my gosh, there's so many stories here that testify to the awesomeness of our Father God. And I know that the stories don't stop. I have one good story in me, but hundreds of others that are pretty darn good. Because he's so amazing. He's so good. And he loves us so much to just keep pouring out his awesomeness and keep pouring it out upon us. So as I look around this room and I look at the hearts here, I'm just seeing more stories after more stories, after more stories, after more stories. And I thank you, Lord, for those testimonies because it is the power of the testimony of Jesus' works that we see it, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of prophecy. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. He'll do it again until the one day when this world is set aright. So on, for me, the world was really set more and more right. I'm seriously, I'm blown away by this day because it was a Tuesday. 
Tuesday. This is a Tuesday, August 28th. In this room, in this space, with Marlene Kleps, if any of you guys know the power of her prayers, that my body manifested healing. But I want to take you back to that evening. Is 2012. So if you can take yourselves back. Where were you? August 28th, 2012. Where were you in August? You were here. Barb was here. <laughs> there were many of you who were here that evening. It was a packed out house, wasn't it? There was over 100 people. And there was lots of chairs. My husband and I were as close to that door as we could possibly get. Because at that point in my life, I thought this whole thing was pretty darn weird. Weird. God was a little outside the box for me in this room. And I was not prepared for my God to be outside the box. Um, I grew up Catholic of another faith. I know there are Catholics who believe in the power of healing and believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I just didn't happen to grow up in that strain of the Catholic faith. So I didn't know about healing. I didn't know that Jesus still heals today, that Jesus is the healer today. And I didn't realize that he was no respecter of disease, that he was no respecter of person. I didn't realize that I wasn't getting taught a lesson. That was a big one for me. I didn't realize that this wasn't just my cross to bear. Don't you love that one? That one comes up over and over. Oh, well, this is just your cross to bear. Do it with dignity and grace and the glory of God right? I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that it wasn't the sins that I had committed in my past that was forcing me into disease and sickness so badly. These were all lies that the enemy kept telling me over 15 years of sickness. So my God was getting outside the box on that Tuesday evening, August 28th, sitting back at that door, ready to bolt at any minute just in case it got too weird from a lady named Marlene Klebs, who, if you know her, isn't she the most down-to-earth, ordinary lady, extraordinarily ordinary lady you've ever met? How in the world could I ever think it would get too weird? Now I understand is a crazy thought. I was the crazy person. The rest of the people here were not the crazy people. What brought me here was this picture. Um, I remembered to bring the picture tonight, Cindy, because I think a picture is worth a thousand words, and that one does a good job of it, doesn't it? So for 15 years, I'd lived with a condition called trigeminal neuralgia. It's a pinched nerve at the brainstem. That's all fancy talk, isn't it? Trigeminal is just, it's three branches that give you the sensory sensation in your face. So it allows you to feel light touch, the wind against your cheek, a baby's hand against your cheek. Yeah, do you feel it? That is the sensory sensation in your face. And for me, that little cotton candy-sized strand of a nerve was pinched at the brainstem. 
likely just the way I was born. And after years and years of having an artery, pinching it and compressing it, finally the myelin sheath coating of the nerve was worn away and it was short-circuiting badly. Over time, it progressively grew worse and worse and worse until finally, August 28th, I look like that picture. Dave comes home after work, and he says, hey, let's go up to that healing meeting. I'm like, no, we're not going tonight. I'm too sick to go to a healing meeting. Isn't that a good one? I love that one. I use it sometimes now. A little prior to that, we'd been to this location about two or three times prior to that August 28th meeting. And it was because in January 12th of 2012, I'd gone to a small group, a lady small group, through our church. If you are not a part of small groups, I would say join in, like the life group that's coming up here at Rochester Church. Join in, because for at least for me, that was transformative to be a part of that small group and have people walking alongside me while I went through some of the worst, absolute worst days of my whole entire life. I only made some of the small group because Dave and I could not make a lot of our lives. About at least one out of every three things that we tried to go to, we couldn't make. And probably many of you can relate to that. You just can't make it. Your body won't let you make it. So Dave would drive me to small group on the days that I could get out of the house. And at this particular night, I remember it's January 12th because my birthday is the 13th. So now January 13th, everybody remember me. It's my birthday. And I remember it's January 12th and I make it to the small group. Dave drives me there. It's our first small group and we're all talking and they're like, well, what's what's wrong with you? Because I looked about like this picture. What's wrong with you? What do you have? And I start talking to them. And these crazy women, I'm thinking they're crazy, are all telling me how Jesus still heals today. And they had testimonies of healings. At least four of the women I remember testified to being healed. And big ones. One was breast cancer, one was back, there's others, big ones. And they're all telling me, this is 15 years now that I had this condition. But they're all convinced, well, Jesus wants to heal you. Mm -hmm. God wants to heal you. Mm -hmm. They're all convinced of this. And the number one person who was convinced the most that Jesus wants to heal me is here tonight, and her name is Sonia. Sonia, will you stand up? Because this, yes, please clap for her. (laughs) Because this wonderful, absolute, awesome woman of God was my prayer warrior. She was the one who continued to tell me, small group after small group, but in the Myers tortilla aisle, I was trying to buy some chips. That's all I wanted was some chips. Jesus wants to heal you. God wants you well. God wants to heal you. She would say it time and time again, and she would back it up with the power of prayer. 
So I'm hoping I can diverge for just a moment. And Sonia, if you would come up, I would love, I'm putting her so on the spot, and she's going to go along with me because she loves me. I would love first for her to testify just a little bit to what she saw. And then secondly, I know in this room there are prayer warriors. There are people here who pray for others, who are absolutely committed to telling everybody about the awesomeness of our Father God and about how he heals today. And so I just want to bless Sonia and all you prayer warriors for giving the message of God. But first she has to tell you about meeting me in the tortilla aisle. <laughs> so she was incognito in the tortilla aisle, which was very typical of Chris. She many times wore a baseball cap and dark glasses because light could cause her to have um, seizures. So she had so many symptoms that were triggered by so many things. Uh, so she didn't even look like herself when I encountered her at the tortilla aisle, but God encountered her. And God wanted to reassure her because what she said to me was, it hasn't been a good time. The they, they were doing alternative treatments like microwaving the nerves, if I can recall correctly, and the microwave was not working. And it was like this woman, all medical options were exhausted. She'd had multiple brain surgeries and been at the Mayo Clinic, had the best, best doctors, and they could do nothing. So the best doctor was her only option, and that was God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and so it's prayer warriors like my Sonia, who goes out there and prays and dedicates their lives and their prayer time for people like me. So that way we can really understand that Jesus truly is the healer today. So I know many of you are prayer warriors, just like Sonia is. But in a, in a representative mode, if you could all extend your hand towards our Sonia, she is going to stand in the gap for all the prayer warriors. And I just want to bless our prayer warriors, Father God. I want to bless you and thank you for bringing prayer warriors to all of us that need them, for bringing people who are committed and transformed by you to spread your message through the stories of healings, through the testimonies of healings, and through their prayers. I thank you for the mighty, mighty armies of prayer warriors that you have pulled together like my Sonia. And I pray blessings over each and every one and that they have the perseverance, the light, and the love to continue on. Dear Jesus, in your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 So since I'm up here, I do have to share this. Where I learned about healing was in this room, was from Pastor Tim. Well, it wasn't actually in this room. It was at Discover Church. And so stick with it, folks, because you 
my, my conviction is you never know which prayer is going to heal a person. And I know Chris says that. So keep getting prayer, keep giving prayer, and God will do his work, and you just never know when and where. So just don't give up. Amen, amen. So I was fortunate enough to be in the small group, but even before that, I, me and Jesus were tight. Like, he was my friend, especially through these days and through the nights when I just couldn't get to sleep. There were so many times where the pain would just overtake the body. My body was shutting down from the years of pain. I had multiple organs that they were deciding to remove and take, like the gallbladder. And I just couldn't get the body to just relax through the pain. And there would be night after night where all I could do was cry out to Jesus and say, look, I can't do this. I can't do this by myself. You have to help me. And so I would have prayer. I would have people praying for me, and I would cry out to him. And what he brought me was comfort and peace. There would be night after night, and this one night in particular, where I cried out to him. I remember it so vividly. And he just wrapped me in his arms, and he rocked me to sleep. And I finally fell into a comfort, peaceful sleep. So the next night it happened again. I look like that. I had pain throughout my body. He wrapped me in his arms, and he would just rock me to sleep. Just rock me to sleep. He was always there, never left my side for a moment. I believe he cried with me through night after night of pain after pain. I believe he took our sufferings and he knows what we feel. His body was real. He knew my pain because he had the worst pain. He took our stripes so he could understand our pain and they would be healed. He knows our pains. He cries with us. And in those nights, he wouldn't just cry with me. He would hold me and rock me to sleep. So I would have prayer. Lots of well-meaning prayers through 15 years. You know, for the brain surgeries, I'd find the right doctor, find the right medication, find the right prescriptions that would help, whatever it was. Lots of good prayers. But nobody ever told me to just pray that it be taken away. I just never knew to pray for the pain to go away. Now, is that the most silliest thing? Seriously. Now I think about it, it was really silly. And I knew it was in the Bible, but I thought it was just in the Bible. So when Sonia invited us to this meeting, and Pastor Tim stood right here, and he'd say, proclaim and declare that your pain be gone. Proclaim and declare your healing. I thought he was off his rocker. How in the world... And I tried to fake it to make it for a long time. So I knew what that looked like. I was a manager at General Motors. I worked mostly in the Cadillac division. My husband was director of engineering. We're pretty straight shooters. We got engineering coursing through our blood. 
We're pretty logical straight shooter folks. And on top of that, I also was a workaholic. And so I would fake it to make it till I was blue to my face. So if it's proclaim and declare, I thought, man, I tried that. I tried that years ago, getting up every single morning looking like that, and getting my husband to drive me to work so that way I could make a meeting. I tried that. It doesn't work. Your proclaim, declare, doesn't work. But it was proclaim and declare to our Father God. That's what Pastor Tim was teaching. It was proclaim and declare to Jesus the healer. So from January 12th to August 28th, 2012, that's about eight months, right, guys? Anytime I've told the story before, it probably feels like, oh, she had one prayer and she was done. But like Cindy had five months, I had eight months to percolate and soak in the sonyas in the tortilla aisles, telling me every chance they got that Jesus wanted to heal me. So during that time, we started getting our spirits, like I said, percolating in the word of God until finally when August 28th came, you would think I would have gotten it. But I'm in the back of the room next to the door. Marlene's telling her story. It's an ordinary, extraordinary woman telling her story. And they, Pastor Tim says, well, Marlene, will pray for you if you want prayer. I look at my husband. I'm like, okay, it's time to go. Let's go home. We're all set. He's like, are you serious? You're not going up for prayer? I'm like, no, let's go home. We can go home now. There's other people, pray, whatever. Let's go home. If truth be told, I was so incredibly frightened. I have no clue why, except it was a lie of the enemy. But I could not go up for a prayer. I was so incredibly frightened. Luckily, I have a husband who is so incredibly awesome. Because not only did he get me to this meeting, but he helped take care of me for 15 years, and he didn't leave. If there's any testimony you get from us, get the testimony of a man who has the character. Yes, you're a man who has the character of God who stays in a marriage. That's my man. And there are men like that. If you are young and looking for the right man, wait for your David. That's what my David is. Wait for your David. Because he will show up. So my man did. He didn't just show up. He stayed. So he got me here. Got me up to the front. And I think Barb would testify to this. Marlene was doing some sort of prayer in the round. Like usually it's nice even lines. Right? No. Not this night. It was like this mass chaos prayer in the round thing going on. And so every time she would step towards me, I'd step back. I just wasn't ready for all that going on. So finally, Barb and my husband got me to stay and finally got prayer. A simple prayer, but the first thing I say to her when I get up to her, I thought, well, I'm just going to tell her like it is. I'm not going to beat around the bush on this one, as my grandma would say. I'm going to tell her like it is. So I said, well, I don't believe in this whole healing business. And at that point, guys, really I didn't. I had as much faith as letting my husband get me up out of the chair and get up for prayer. That's as much as I had. Not a lot. That's a mustard seed. 
She was amazing. She says, okay, I can believe for us. Now, what kind of prayer woman is that? How awesome is that? She totally released me. How many other times I had been told by very well-meaning, beautiful people that, boy, I just didn't have enough faith. And maybe they didn't say it in that many words, but you guys know it, right? You've seen the look where they've prayed for you and, oh, she just doesn't have enough faith. That goes over their face, right? It's probably gone over mine and I repent if I've done that to anybody. But not Marlene. She said, I'll believe for us. I'll believe for you. I've since learned that Jesus actually healed in Matthew, where, where the, I love this story now. I probably shared it with you guys before, so forgive me. But in Matthew, the four friends bring, the guy, bring their friend on a cot. The cot, the guy on the cot, he's probably asleep. He could have been comatose. He could have been anything. He could have not even known that the friends were dragging him out from his nice comfy home through the streets, taking the roof off. So that way they could lower him down to Jesus. Can you get, imagine that? I mean, here's this guy on the cot. They're trying to swing him up on top of the roof. He's sliding down off the cot. I'm just imagining this and going, oh my goodness, these friends. And they lower him down to Jesus. It says in Matthew, Jesus touches him and says, by their faith, you are healed. Come on, how many of us? can be the one that by our faith, your friend is healed. I want that. I want my faith to be so big that Jesus says, by your faith, you are healed. Amen, right? Marlene did that for me. She's like, okay, I'll believe for us. Then I thought, oh, well, I'm going to get her on this one. I was like, well, I have trigeminal neuralgia. Seriously, I was so prideful. Nobody ever knew what this was. In layman's terms, it's a suicide disease because the pain is, uh, it's known as the most excruciating pain known to mankind. That's what they say. I've never had childbirth, so I can't attest. But that's what they say, right? Right. All the mamas here are like, yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> But that's what they say. Nobody ever knows what it is. It's a very rare condition. Marlene knew. I know that it was likely a word from God, but she says, oh, so you mean you have this, that, and the other thing? And of course she was right. And even more than that, she asked to touch my face. Well, by that point, nobody ever touched the left side of my face. Dave kissed me on this side of my face for 15 years. We were so careful for 15 years. This started six months before we got married. July 1997, the pain came on. We were married December 1997. He never touched this side of my face. And I let her. I didn't even let my own man and I let Marlene touch my face. Right? It's like, seriously. 
I let her touch my face. She says the most simplest prayer. Here, I'm expecting the skies to open. She says the most simplest prayer. She just prays for my heart to be open to healing. Now, guys, did I need that? Yeah. And she prayed for the nerve, the compressed nerve, to be decompressed. Now, while she's praying, you guys know, Marlene, a lot of you do, and you know the whole bounce she gets going on. You've seen it. I know you have. Yes. She gets the whole bounce going on. She's like, oh, there it is, right? Well, as she's bouncing, I'm starting to feel some heat in the back of my neck. But this is engineering little girl in my head. As the heat's going on in the back of my neck, I'm like, drama queen. Seriously. Here I am at this healing meeting. Of course, I'm going to get heat in the back of my neck, right? I'm so skeptical. I wish I was exaggerating. You said don't exaggerate. I wish I was exaggerating because it would make me look better. I'm not looking very good at the moment, and God knew it, but he's so gracious. He's so good. So I let her close her prayer, say, thank you very much. Safe travels home. We happen to live, be from the same state. Missouri, show me state. Woohoo! Safe travels home. And I look at my husband, and I say, we are out of here. I could not get out of here fast enough. I had no clue what was going on. My head was racing out of control. And ladies who are married, you will understand this. Because I want to leave faster than fast. What does my man do? He uses the restroom. I'm like, come on. But there's a little bench out by the restroom, and it's still there today. I had my good friend Denise sit on the little bench with me tonight, and I got to reminisce. Because that little bench, I sat there waiting on Dave to come out. My mind is racing out of control. I cannot put a clear thought in there if I would have tried. And out of nowhere, as if somebody is sitting right next to me, I hear, shut up. Just be still and let me do my work. And as soon as that was said, I started feeling a sensation in my face. It was a sizzling, like you put a steak on the grill type sensation running down through the first branch of the nerve. That sensation I'd actually felt before at the Mayo Clinic. It was the very last effort that the doctors had tried to do to get my condition. It was the most painful of the procedures I had to go through. I knew that sensation well. I knew exactly what it was. It was scarring the nerve away. That way I'd have no more pain. At the Mayo Clinic, it scarred away the nerve. That sensation lasted for four hours. Afterwards, my face was completely numb, like you go to the dentist and you're numb. And afterwards, I had no pain for four days, and the pain came back. So I'm recognizing that sensation going through my face, but I'm shutting up, shut up. Dave comes out of the restroom. I'm not saying a word because I had just been told, shut up. It's very interesting to me, and I was talking to my friend Denise about this out on the healing bench. If you want prayer out on the healing bench, I'm happy to pray for you there. That bench has anointing. I'm out on the healing bench. I was talking to Denise. I'm like, it's so interesting. He told me to shut up. He tells Marlene to hush. Have you ever heard her story? He tells her, hush, 
And to many of you, I'm sure that he's told you, be still. He just wants us to be quiet for a while. Now that's hard for me to do, so he obviously had to say shut up. But if we can just be quiet for a little bit, he could do his work. So Dave comes out of the restroom. We head to the car. It starts going down into second branch, and then it heads on down into the third branch. For 25 minutes, I had that sensation running through the nerve of my face, and then I had nothing. And my face just opened up, and I was completely and wholly healed for six years tonight right here. Oh, I can't praise him enough. I wrote to some of my friends today because I took the day off. It was a complete Sabbath day for us. And um, I just wanted to hang out with my Lord, you know. And I adequately cannot put into words the transformation of that healing Because there was no reason for me to be healed, you guys. None. I wasn't in the Word all the time. I'm I'm still not in the Word all the time. I wish I was. I would know Scripture way better, Cindy. I wasn't in the Word all the time. I wasn't actively pursuing healing like I should have been. I didn't even have enough faith to believe he would do it today. But he healed me because he loves me. That's it. He absolutely, positively loves me. I can't even begin to describe what a love like that could ever possibly look like to a heart like mine. Heidi Baker always says, God tells her she's his favorite. And then she'll say, but you're his favorite, and you're his favorite, and you're his favorite, and I'm his favorite. And I feel it every single day. I feel his heartbeat, and I feel his love. And the good news story is that he loves you too. He is no respecter of person. He is no respecter of disease. Cancer is nothing to that boy, to our God. Because he loves us. Period. Wholeheartedly loves us. About four days after my healing, I still couldn't understand what was going on. I told him the night of my healing, I said, I don't get this. You really have to open my heart. And he started doing that and started working on my heart. That very next day, he gave me a confirmation that I was healed. Four four days later, I'm doing the usual in the bathroom, brushing my teeth. And you know how you just kind of look in the mirror as you're kind of brushing your teeth, you know, just, you know, thinking about other things, brushing my teeth. Look up in the mirror, and whose eyes are looking back at me? 
but my Jesus. Jesus' eyes were looking back at me with so much love that I don't deserve. I will never, ever, ever forget his eyes. A split second of pure love. Love that none of us deserve. Do any of us feel like we deserve that kind of love? He said, I love you. And that's it. I'm sold out. Because I know he loves me. And I know he loves us all. So from that point forward, I got two more confirmations of healing because he's so good to me. He knows my skeptical heart. <laughs> he knew I'd need just a little bit more. Two more confirmations of healing. And then finally, three months after, we finally get up the courage to give testimony, Cindy. Before that, not even Dave or I had fully admitted to ourselves that we might be healed, right? Lots of baggage, lots of reasons, but we weren't quite there yet. So finally, three months in, it's around December time frame, we sit down at the kitchen table and we look at each other and we say, hypothetically speaking... Let's say we are healed. What are we going to do now? Because the pain had controlled our whole entire marriage life, our whole life. All of our dreams was flushed down the toilet of pain, the lies, the pain of the enemy. And all of a sudden, we have this whole life ahead of us now. It's like, what do we get to do now? is that we got everything ahead of us. And we, um, Pastor uh, Robbie Dawkins, who some of you maybe know through videos and whatever, we felt like we got a word through one of his videos. And he said, God will give you ability if you give God your availability. And we were like, hmm, well, I think we can do that. So like Cindy who is completely transformed through healing, we decided to live a transformed life. So we um, decided to sell everything uh, except for a car, a dog, and a couple of suitcases worth of stuff. I had to keep my dog, you guys. She's so precious. I love her. And we hit the road, basically. And we have become available to God over the last six years, traveling on what we call missions, mission to mission. The last one, building a church for the Eastside Vineyard Church, now going to be called the Mission Church, was our longest. Our good friends Pete and Denise have helped us on this road. And uh, so two years worth. Before that, it was shorter assignments. But God just keeps leading us over the last six years, assignment to assignment. But the one thing that remains consistent throughout wherever we are in the world, besides tiling. We tile everywhere we go. I'm telling you guys, I'm on my hands and knees a lot, right, Pete and Denise? They tiled with us. Um, besides tiling is we get to share our story. 
like a lot. We get to give testimony. It, it does everything that you said it does. It gives him all glory. It gives him all power. It gives him the authority to do it again. It gives, it gives us blessings that are thousandfold because we get to remember. We get to relive it. We get to feel his love again and again and again. But a blessing that we didn't expect happens what did we say, like about eight out of ten times probably, where we'll be talking to people, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, you had a miracle. Well, I had a miracle in my own life. I just never told anybody. It happens time and time and time again, where we get so many miracle testimonies back at us, where we'll be, you name it in the world, Brazil, Australia, Europe, wherever, They'll be like, oh, yeah, I had a miracle, too. I've just never told anybody. So we are convinced miracles happen all the time. We're just not talking enough about them. So Cindy's given us the key now, right? Just open your mouth. And if they're not in the exact order because, oh, my goodness, I've messed this lesson up, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you'll still just tell your story. And we all have a story to tell. Well, throughout this process, um, we it's been six years now, and one of the things that I was telling my good friends over texting and stuff today was just that it's so hard to put into words the emotions of this day. I mean, just the love, the healing is huge, right? But the love is even huger, like just to get that much love and then to live a transformed life I mean all of it I just can't put it into words except for the love part to be loved by love himself is bigger than I ever could imagine there there was I gave testimony last night um, to a lady there was one day within that eight months then I'll get back on track I'm taking another rabbit trail Within that eight months, I'm back in my bathroom again. You're going to think I live in my bathroom like I'm so vain. I'm really not. But I'm back in my bathroom again, and I'm talking to God just a little bit. And all of a sudden, he said, so, Chris, are you going to choose to trust me with your future? Are you going to stay comfortable where you are? And I felt that word, comfortable. I was by no means comfortable. Does that look comfortable to you guys? I was in pain, so much pain. But I knew what tomorrow looked like, you know? I knew that when I woke up, this would be the order of my day. It was not comfortable by any means, but I was comfortable in the knowing. Does that make sense to you guys? And he asked me, he said, are you going to trust me with your future? Are you going to stay comfortable? Are you going to stay sick, Chris? That was the identity, sick, Chris. And if any of you have an identity of sick, whatever, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. It is a lie. And that is not your identity. I can give you your identity. I can tell you. I won't give it to you. But I can tell you what God has shared with me about identity. And that's not yours. You are not 
cancer X. You are not sick this. You are not your disease. So he asked me, are you going to stay comfortable? Are you going to trust me with your future? I remember this so distinctly. It was a defining moment. And I chose to go with him. I chose him with my future. And oh my goodness, you guys, I'm telling you, I can't even imagine that this would be the future. Like he blows me away time and time. Cindy talked about the redemption of our Lord. She talked about the redeeming of our Jesus. This is a redeemed life, but not just from pain. It's a redeemed life from an identity crisis. It's a redeemed life from not feeling loved. It's a redeemed life of not being affirmed. This is the redeemed life he talked about. And I get to do it. We get to do it. So today, on this day, and yesterday, as I was getting ready to talk, I just keep going back to Joel 2.25. You know it. Yeah. It's amazing. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Fifteen years the locusts tried to take from us. Our whole marriage he tried to take from us. And no, I can't even begin to tell you. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locusts swarm. My great army that I sent you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. This verse was given to me very early on after I was healed. I think Sonia probably gave me this verse. And at that time, I had no comprehension of what this really meant because I was still in pain. I was still remembering the pain. I could still remember it readily. And now it's as if that was another person's life. I told Cindy last night, I said, it's as if those people were in some you know, Hallmark movie. I can't even begin to think about that Chris and Dave because we live a life of abundance, which is what he's called us to do, right? He says that the enemy only comes to kill, steal, and destroy, whatever, go for it. But I have come, I'm here all the time so that you may live life and life abundant, not just to live, not just to get up each day, which was I was doing, but to live abundantly, to go after life. It says in John that above all else, above all else, can you imagine what all else could be? But above all else, he wishes that we prosper and be in good health. Not, not just to live. I was just, I was hardly living. Waking up each day, that's all I was doing. I wasn't prospering. I wasn't living a life, a life of abundance. He says prosper. 
live a life of abundance for me, prosper and be in good health. Because by the way, if you're not in good health, you can't really live that prosperly. So be in good health because that is my will. My will is thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is no cancer in heaven. Your tumor be gone in the mighty name of Jesus. There is no sickness in heaven. There's no bad legs. There's no bad knees, bad backs. I rebuke it and I say it be gone in the mighty name of Jesus because his will be done here as it is in heaven. So we can prosper for him. So we can live a life that shows him off to the fullest because he loves us. He created us to love us. And we can do it as we show him off living abundantly. And then, just like Cindy showed, when people come up, that scripture, I'm sorry, I don't remember where it was. No, I'm telling you. Um, when people come up and they want to say, why do you have so much light? They tell that to you guys all the time. Why do you have so much light? You'd be like, I have a life of abundance. Because my father loves me. So if you wouldn't mind, just bow your heads. I'd love to pray this blessing over you. And just say, Father God, thank you. Thank you for being love. Thank you for creating us for love. For creating us with a life that is of abundance in you. I thank you, Father God, that each and every heart that is here that is open to your never-ending love, that they fill you right here, right now, in a tangible expression of you. I thank you that each and every life that is here is allowed to prosper and be in good health. And I speak to the bodies that are here. I thank you, bodies, for continuing to fight the good fight, but I release you and submit you to the Holy Spirit that lives inside of my brothers and sisters. And where the Holy Spirit lives, there is no sickness, there is no disease. So we release you, bodies, to the perfect will of our Father God, which is complete and total healing. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are the healer still today, that your testimonies still proclaim your name today. I thank you, Father God, for your love. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for rising up. And I thank you for lives that have been transformed tonight, that there will be lives that will say in six years, in 10 years, in 20 and 50 and 100 years, on August 28, 2018, I know, knew my God. I bless my brothers and sisters to live a life and a life of abundance in your love, Father God. And it's through your precious name, dear Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.
God bless you all. Thank you for letting me share yet again. Amen. Amen. And he's here to do it again. He's here to do it again. Yeah. That's what testimonies do. They, there's an anointing on that testimony for him to do it again.